I think that I don't, I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And I'm trying to think of like the, all the different things that I do. And is there one where I'm just like this, this is the thing. For fuck's sake, a theater podcast, a.k.a. 4FS Podcast, hosted by Aaron Salazar. Episode 15, God damn it. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome. Bienvenue. I don't... Oh, shit. I don't know the cabaret things right now. I I didn't sleep much last night. Hi, everyone. I'm Aaron Salazar. I'm an award-winning, some days, uh, theater director and producer in New York City, uh, doing all the multi-hyphenates these days since we're in fucking COVID. And this is For Fuck's Sake, a theater podcast, aka 4FS podcast. We are on episode three with our October guest co-host, the radiant, exhilarating Rona Siddiqui, ladies and gentlemen. So let's 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 give you a little backstory. So this is the third episode. So I'm just gonna say to all of you friends of Rona who are just tuning in, give your girl some uh, justice and go back and listen to the last two. These are long formats, so my suggestion to all of you just tuning in is like, pop this on a Bluetooth, and then do your errands around the house. You know what I'm saying. We all have a little ADHD in the uh, industry. So Rona Siddiqui, let's talk about her bio though. I'm gonna do a slightly truncated version of it today, but I want you to go back and really get into it. So she is a composer and lyricist here in NYC. She is a recipient of the Jonathan Larson Grant and the Billy Burke Zigfield Award. She most recently, tell me if I'm right about this, is the recipient of the ASCAP Foundation Harold Admanson Lyric Award the Mary Rogers Lawrence Hart Award, and the ASCAP Foundation Max Dreyfus Scholarship. What, what? Bless uh, ASCAP. Bless that, them. Thank you, ASCAP. Yeah, work that. Yes. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm obsessed. She has written an incredible show based on her life that is autobiographical. Her show is called Salam Medina, Tales of a Afghan. It's an autobiographical comedy about growing up by ethnic in America. It's had a reading of Playwrights Horizons, directed by the wonderful Raja Feather Kelly. And speaking of Playwrights Horizons, she's been hanging out there a bit. Um... I would be. I, I want to work there one day. It's. I'm so oh, you sad. have to. They're I, so it's, great. It's like such a utopia. Anyway, I'm getting. I'm getting distracted. So she was the musical director for a strange loop, winning the Obie along with her cast and creative team, and they also won this little Pulitzer Prize for Michael R. Jackson writing that badass show. If you don't know it, Spotify it, get into it, live that dream. So then you musical directed the the recording. Yes. Oh my God. So God damn it. I'm going to put a link on this thing. Get, Please. Go to Spotify and listen to Rona in general and her most recent award-winning music direction for A Strange Loop. Really also, proud of it. You should be fucking proud of it. It's off the hook. As Sondheim went, for Christ's sake. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, really. Let's, let's I was so out. nervous that night. I was like, why did you tell me? No, they told you. Okay, oh, we gotta, yeah. we're going to talk about that too. She yeah. also musical directed Bella and American Tale at Playwrights Horizons. And most recently, she has been named the interim program director for the new writing and design for musical theater program at Berkeley NYC. Shut up. I haven't said that in a long time, but I let's give it up. Give it up for Rona. <laughs> And this is just, by the way, we're just touching base. 
if you want to actually see a little more about her bio, you can visit 4fspodcast.com or um, follow us on the little Instagram. It's, it's fun. Uh, 4fs underscore podcast, you know, technicalities. Rona, Hello. how are you? I'm good, Aaron. You how look great. You, you always look you. great. You have such great skin. Um, you. you know, little some melanin. Oh, it's little nice melanin, I know. That's Thank right. You for that. Nice and glowy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we are we are less than two weeks away from the vote. Um, so I think we're going to take a little breather for a second and deal with our anxiety and focus our attention on some some artistic things. However, though, Rona has informed me she is civically doing her duty and becoming a poll worker. Talk to me about that. I am becoming a poll worker. I yeah. I just thought why. Why not? It is needed. There's There was a call to action. Why should I not do it? Um, it's really important to me that things go smoothly as possible. Yes. Uh, anything I can do to help, I want to help. And I just thought, you know, it's like one long ass day out of my life. It, um, I can do it. I can do this. So I had my, for my training at the Javits Center last week. It was a four-hour training in person. Wow. How did they, what was the physical setup of that situation? So they had a very large classroom and they had, we were all like very spaced apart. There were only like three people in a row. Mm. And maybe there were, I don't know, maybe there were like 15, 20 people there. And then all on the outskirts of the room were uh, voting booths and scanners that we oh. do little hands-on stuff with. Um, of course, masks were on the whole time and all yep. that. We got a little like lime green briefcase with the with the like check-in iPads that we had to practice with. And Ooh. I mean, like they taught us everything about every job in four hours. And it actually was overwhelming. It was like super stressful because they went over through like every scenario like that could possibly go wrong. Well, what if this? 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 And, and you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, and then we had to take a test at the end. That's so interesting. Yeah. It never even, I mean, obviously it makes sense. And, and in this climate, it makes sense, but it never even occurred to me that shit goes wrong. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Just like, you know, what if the person thought they were registered, but they're not? What if you can't find their name? What if they get angry about something? What if this isn't working? What do you, you know, like just a million different scenarios. Um, so hopefully, you know, we won't have to deal with any of those and everything will be smooth, but. And when do you find out what your location is or do you already know? I it, don't know my location and I don't know when I will find out. And to be honest, I was like nervous because I didn't I didn't know right away if I passed the test. I'm like, of course, I know I'm going to pass the test. Right. But also I was like, what if I don't pass the test? You right. <laughs> so right. they did tell me a couple days later online that I passed the test. Thank goodness. Yeah. Now I'm just waiting, waiting. Hopefully they want to put you close to your home. It is 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. That's the day. Wait. That's you the day. are working at five so really you're there at 4 45 correct wow so please let it be my voting place you know like just yes. around the corner so that i can and then there are two one hour breaks throughout the day so i hope that i can just like skip home put something in my mouth take a you know power nap and go right back wow wow yeah. i'm i'm so i'm so proud about it. i'm so proud for about that. I can't form words right now. That's amazing. I'm so, I'm that, you know, it's interesting. One of the things I'm, I'm going to hop on right at the bitter end is I'm doing a couple, a little bit of the calling centers, uh, cause mm -hmm. they're all mobile yeah. which is, and there's also mobile texting. You can still, I know it sounds funny, but my buddy was writing about that on Facebook and he's like, uh, people telling me to go fuck myself doing my civic duty. 
eating Cheez-Its. Like, because, mm. you know, you, they give you all the people and you send the stuff out and some people really react badly. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. I mean, that's, that's all part of it. But, you know, uh, all hands on deck. I've actually, in my very, very modest way, have been um, doing a, I would just be very real, a tiny weekly donation. Because I was like, yeah. I yeah. was like, I was like, dude, I'm like, you're gonna spend that shit on like a fucking coffee or whatever, like yeah. a coffee and a sandwich. I'm like, why not like just put like a little couple coins in the basket every week? Yeah. It's the least you can do because the way I think about that is if I'm thinking like this, maybe a million people are thinking like this and that can help. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Cause I think right now as artists, we feel a little strapped. Let's be real, right? And so you know, you think, well, you know, you got to put the oxygen mask on first before you put it on someone else. Right. But then I, you know, I weighed it out and I'm like, I can literally afford this. This is what I would spend on something stupid. Right. This is my boba for the week. It's totally it, fine. It's totally fine. And it, it, it does feel kind of nice to hope that there's a bunch of us doing that. And I, I hope it helps. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hope it helps. Were, I mean, you putting your, who, were you putting yours in a specific bucket or just like a general fund? Specifically Biden. The, uh, like, I'm going specifically uh, um, Ditch Mitch. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I hope there's a bunch of us putting stuff in a little bucket. Yeah. Um, well, apparently the, the fundraising is actually going quite well. Yes. Right. So that's, that's, that's good, good to know. Yeah. All right. So let's step away from this anxiety for a second. Everyone, you know, just hang tight. We got this. Um, we're going to do this. So let's talk about... Some artist theater stuff. Uh, actually, I don't know. I'll talk about. I'll, let, me, let me talk about this. So I've got a show coming up, everyone. Uh, rather than me doing like a little weird plug because I already ASMR you in the middle of this thing, which I think sometimes when I'm editing is the only time I meditate during the week. I'm like, I need to <laughs> practice what I preach. But sometimes, because you know, I want to make sure it lands, even yeah. though it's like a, it's a, it's a repeat. And I'm like, is it? Land? Oh, it is refreshing. Yeah. It is. But I'm working on a new medium of an experience. So it is officially being uh, subtitled in Remote Interactive Installation. And the name of it is called X Part One, The Insidious. It is an allegorical take on racial assimilation, uh, all created by a group of artists of color. Uh, we've got some badasses. We've got some former guests of we got former community members of uh for fuck's sake on there uh jason vc uh the beloved jason vc is writing it and i well you know that queen listen i'm obsessed and i read this feature article he wrote and it made me cry and that doesn't really happen when i you know that's weird to say as a director but i don't tend to get emotional at at the words i'll get emotional at thinking about how to physicalize those words does that make sense Mm -hmm. but something about the way he wrote this this feature about finding his inner inner sissy sissy. it was yeah yeah thank you it made me cry and then i watched him retell it on a um youtube show and he got choked up and i got choked up and i was like jason you have a really narrative voice when you write he's like what and i'm like yeah man i'm like it's special because it's like not it's not a playwright voice it's not like a it's so earnest and so honest. And so he he trusted me and jumped on board and he he wrote this, fleshed this out that I this this crazy little world I conceived that takes place in the not so distant future. And um Cheech Manahar is playing one of the leads, Kim Exum is part of this. And I'm I'm just super excited, guys. It's it's this mixed media thing that takes place on multiple platforms. It's not a Zoom show. It 
is an interactive experience. Your phone is activated, your laptop's activated. We want you to put on some good headphones and really submit to this experience where it's a world where equity is turned on its head and everyone is basically erased of their identities for the greater we. And so what happens is, as people of color, we're basically told to strip. Also, like anyone, anything, sexuality, race, identity, and then we all become the we. And if you decide not to comply to that part of the society, you fall into the status of X. And that's where we meet our protagonists. And you enter the experience as a trainee to the we. So I'll, I'll put a link to that. I should post that on Facebook. I, it's so weird. I'm like pro, pro, putting it everywhere about our fucking podcast. So that's that's what I'm up to, everyone. And I'm it, I'm excited. It starts uh, on October 28th and runs for six weeks. There's four shows a night. This is my pitch. Uh, I'll put a little special discount for the 4FS podcast listeners. Hello. And um, I, I would love to see you all there. We'll, we'll do a little special episode about that. So that's what I'm working on. Let's talk about pod for pod what Rona's up to. So <laughs> Rona, I'm allowed to say this, right? Has a podcast that has been picked up by the Broadway Podcast Network. What, what? what? You just, you're just winning. You know what though? I, I'm glad to be talking to you because if you are who you surround yourself with, I'm doing okay. Same, same. I feel like much, yeah. Thank you. I. So she has a new podcast coming up called Lessons from the Pit. And I'm really thrilled for her and as far as I'm concerned, I don't, not as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, no one's doing this, right? There's no specific that per is, se. Well, that's right. That's why I, I guess I'm doing it. I did not mean to do this. I did not mean to start a podcast. I I just was binding my own business. All I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I was, just fell. I was, I fell I was minding my own business. Yeah. No, I, um, I saw the need to create a resource for musicians of color who were interested in entering the Broadway off-Broadway pit world um, that, that I wanted to set them up for success because it's such a small circle of people and it is mostly white males. Mm -hmm. And so if- Really? So really? It's male? <laughs> white? No, no, no. I know. But like, is it really also just male dominated? Yes. Interesting. Oh, yes. Mm. Um, yeah. Not surprised. Mm-hmm. So- Seeing a need to, and it's it's a, and the Broadway pit world is very like specific in terms of all these little unspoken rules and how you behave and what you do and and how you do it, um, subbing. What's that like? This whole world that it's not written down anywhere for anybody. There's no guide. Isn't it also kind of interesting? Like what the impression I get from me, from people I know who do it, it it also kind of seems like. <sighs> You're either in or you're out. And then when you're in, you're in. Yeah. That, yeah. It's like you have to almost be invited in. You have to be invited in. And so how do you get invited in? That's something we talk about. The how do you network? There it is. And then once you're in, how do you, you know, how do you kind of hold? What, it, what are the qualities that you need to have? Um, how do you keep the connections going? So there's a lot to it. Well, I have a question for you in terms yeah. of specificity for people who are probably mystified by this. So this is the thing I'm fucking amazed by you musicians. I, I will never, I, I can't even comprehend it. Like when I hear one of you being like, oh, I'm subbing uh, Wicked. Mm -hmm. And you guys just go in. 
Yes. Like, what the fuck? You don't like, it- even get to rehearse with the band or cast. You literally just... Hi, guys. Show play up. Play the show. Wow. And if you have ever set... I mean, like, it is one of the most stressful jobs. I can't I'm, imagine. I'm you. Like, I can't imagine. music directing is, you know, just being a musician is stressful. Music directing a show is so stressful. There is wow. so much weight on your shoulders. You are running. You're pacing the show. You're running the show. If you yeah. miss it, things can fall apart. People can get hurt. Like, it is extremely stressful. So imagine not even getting to practice that and just being thrown in. How do you do that? Yeah. I t- my first guest is George Farmer. He's from uh, uh, currently Ain't Too Proud. He's played a billion shows. He's amazing. And um, he, at one point, was subbing on, what? how many shows did he say? Something like nine shows all at once. So Jesus. in his brain, he was holding on to nine shows with all the million, billion cues, the different, like, ways it goes down. Like, I, I can't even. What, it's hard what, enough doing one show and being, a, a, you know, a shareholder. What makes one show more difficult than the next? Because obviously all of you are at an echelon of musicianship that is just the, the very, very top, 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 top tier. But so beyond that, right? Because I think a lot of it's like, you know, it's like uh, what someone says they're like anti questions, but it's like, how do you memorize all those lines? Like, okay, we get it. Like, you know, it's adorable because, you know, that is mystifying a lot of people. But beyond that, what makes a show more difficult than another? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, well, I think that can vary person to person based on, you know, what their strengths are. But um, one challenging thing can be like if an entire show is on, click say which means that the whole yeah. show um so if you say you have to be the one that tr- triggers the click can you explain that to everyone i know what that means but yeah it's a fascinating it's thing uh if there's a a metronome that keeps the entire band together mm-hmm. a lot of shows don't have that there's just a conductor that cues you in and you watch them and they're giving you the beats and the pulses and all of that but some shows are largely run on click Wow. So somebody, either the drummer or the music director, somebody is pushing a button and you hear like, and then you start, you know? And so. Do you have headphones on? hmm Oh, you have headphones on to hear. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, we copy that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, can you give me an example of a show that is on click that you can remember? I like- know Mean Girls is largely on click. I think, um, what was the ABBA show? Uh, oh, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia was. That not surprise me. Was on click. Um, I did two songs, two or three songs on click for, for strange loop. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes there's just like a couple that you do. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes that can be really stressful. Another very stressful thing is if there's a lot of what we call vamps, which is yeah. when you are locked into, um, a one bar, two bar, four bar phrase, and you're just sitting there repeating it over and over again while there's dialogue. And so yeah. you have to be aware of what the actors are doing because it varies because it varies every night absolutely and then how do you get out of that vamp and sometimes sometimes you wait till the end of the phrase to get out of the vamp and sometimes it says out on any beat so literally when you when you hear that word you just go to the next you know so things like that for a sub oh my gosh like how stressful is that well, and also what's amazing to me about these pits that I think so many people don't realize is how many of you are playing 97 fucking instruments. I, it's oh my gosh. Unreal. The doubling, the tripling, it's yeah. crazy. What, what, what's the most amount of instruments you've played in a pit? 
I think I've only played, let's see, probably just piano, keyboard, and maybe like light percussion. Jesus. Still. Yeah. But the (laughs) demands now on music directors are getting bigger and bigger. Like a lot of, there's a lot of accordion shows. Hadestown has, you need to play accordion. Uh, There's a lot of. Oh, so I'm so sorry to cut you off where the MD plays the fucking accordion. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I, I bought, I I was like, oh, it's quarantine. I'll buy an accordion. I now have an accordion. Of of course. I mean, why not? Yeah. Um, they, a lot of shows want a pianist guitarist now. So all of the people that can play piano and guitar both well, they are in high demand, high, high, high demand. And that's not, that's not an easy crossover. What? Mm -hmm. Pit Mm -hmm. level guitar? Pit level guitar. Okay. There's, there's a handful, not very many that, that can do it and are also delightful people. I mean, I, I, Because also being a delightful person is part of this whole lessons from the pit thing. Like Yes. Well, which actually leads me to, I'm very fascinated. If you want to unpack, I'm really excited about your podcast because of the actionable lessons, for lack of a better word, that that you're kind of having with them, correct? Mm-hmm. Like action well, yeah, actionable resources. Yeah. Resources and lessons. Totally. Yes. I mean, there's there's stuff as specific as if you're subbing, make sure you put everything back into its place that the, how the chair holder left it. There's stuff as specific as that. And then there's stuff as, as, as broad as know yourself, <laughs> you know, like be a good person. Absolutely. I'm, and I'm very curious about this uh, acronym. Is that the right way to say it for magic? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, if, if you care to unpack that. Magic. So Magic is a group that I'm a part of. It's, it's a lot of music directors and musicians. It's called Musicians Advocacy, Advocacy Group for Inclusion and Change. Uh, we formed, I believe, back in May. Mm. With, uh, and just coming together, seeing the need for... Um, you know, creating equity on music, on team, on music teams for shows, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that a job like music assistant, they, they're getting everything they need. Uh, like making sure that, you know, the pipeline from people of color is, is being clear. There's a path clear for them. Yes. Uh, making sure that there's, um, transparency in pay, you know, all of these types of things. Um, we're, and not just Broadway off Broadway. We're looking at community theaters and regional and all that stuff. So it's, it's a really, uh, it's a really great group. Our, we're launching our website um, pretty soon. I nice. Next is, do you, is there a social media presence yet? Not yet. So this is all, you know, hot. You're, hot, you're, hot. you're getting the inside scoop, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, La- and everyone, everyone. Uh, so I wonder, is this, is this a good place to transition into another thing that you've been up to? The new position you landed at Berkeley NYC. Yes, I am the interim program director for the writing and design for musical theater program. I have to think before I say it. I love that. The specificity is really cool. So can can you unpack what that means about the fact that they said writing and design? <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean... No, this is a big question. Okay, so yeah. I joined joined the team 
maybe in August. So a lot of stuff had been already established. Uh, there had been some people who had already worked up some preliminary curriculum in order to get the Berkeley's accreditation. Um, and that name had already been established before mm. it came on. And so I was like, what do you mean by design? Why is this word design in the title? Uh, and they're very excited because they want to to kind of change the way we think about musical theater creation. Like what would happen if you were, as you were creating your show in the room with designers, mm. and how would they color or affect the creation of your show? And so there's this like this, this desire to, to rework how we, we even write, how we, how we conceive. And so there's, we're working in New York with these two other programs, one being songwriting and production for, for more like for pop music, which is super cool. Nice. The other program is called Live Experience Design. And so they oh, are, shit. Focused, yeah, all those like crazy live <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. You would love this. So, how do we like? We have access to these this whole other co cohort of students doing this amazing work. How can we work with them to create our shows? Like, what is that going to do to to change how we think of the creation of a show? I think that's so smart because I think oftentimes what I'm dumbfounded by, and to be honest, not in a critical way, more like. What a disservice that this person wasn't taught the tactile things of the mechanics of show. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I think so if you, much. because if you think it, because you know you being someone who's so experienced and really understands the fucking craft of a fucking show, right? Because it's a monster, right. you know. I'm sure that directly affects the way you write. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, because you yeah. think about the whole thing. The whole right. okay, fine. If that's happening, well then is this do I give them enough time to cross over for this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right? right. So I mean, these are all I mean, that's a minor thing, but what a fascinating way to start to train the next generation because you have to think about that. Like you really, I think to be successful, you have to be able to Google Earth your art mm -hmm. and think, how is this all gonna fit as a sum total of parts? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what if you could use like, what if you didn't have to talk so much? Like, what if you could, you know, use these other design elements and and be thinking that right at the beginning instead of having to say I have to I have to write be so literal and write every single word to get this point across. Well, what if you could get that point across with this imagery or this visceral sound or this, you know, like there's so many other ways we can be approaching this, which I think plays do better than musicals. Yes. Honestly. Well, yes, because that's the thing. It's like, it's so interesting to me. It's when I sometimes, uh, my least favorite kind of theater is theater that forgets that I'm like, it's fucking theater. If yeah. you have the budget and you want someone to literally appear from under a couch, just fucking do it. Like mm -hmm. it's all, we're playing make-believe. Right. And I think that that's where sometimes musical theater, funnily enough, doesn't fuck around with that part of it, mm -hmm. which is why something like SpongeBob SquarePants was so refreshing yeah. and such a wonderful experience because it was like, we are playing make-believe mm -hmm. and we're not going to make any excuse for it. And you're going to submit to it because we're doing it in earnest. Yes. You know, the make-believe is what makes it so interesting and and fun. Uh, you know, well, like, let's be real. Fucking wicked. I always joke about this. Like, the emperor 
has no strings or, you know, like I used to say with that show, the emperor has no set, but that's very insulting to the set designer because it's a beautiful set. Yeah. But if you think about it, the, what happens, I think, I don't think I'm giving it away. What happens to her at the end of act one is such 101 theater make-believe. Mm-hmm. We are going to cherry pick this person who has a lot of black fabric. <laughs> Shake the fabric. Go. <laughs> now use the $1.7 million we spent on these fucking lights. Yeah. Go. And yep. the music. Mm-hmm. Give her a fucking broom. Great. Fucking great. Blackout. Like, Boom. you know, and, and that's magic. You know, the, Harry yeah, Potter. Magic. Oh my God. What'd you say? Harry Potter. Harry, I didn't see it. Fucking fuck. Aaron, oh my God. I can't God. take it. And I hear it's a lot of movement. I mean, there's a lot of magic, but I hear so that- So much magic. And it's it's startlingly good. Everyone I mean, said, I know, trust me. I feel like I'm going to, like, I would burst into tears. I just yes. didn't get around to it. Hopefully, yeah. God willing, they come back. Yeah. I think they might. I think despite JK's very disappointing behavior, I think we're all mm, going to, I think, I, I honestly, it's, I, I have to say, I'll just say this for the record. I can look at that property of what that little world is and still love it despite the parent who created it. <laughs> I feel like, you know, is that in the same zone as like Michael Jackson music? Is that where we are? Like, well, I oh God, know, I mean, that's, that, that's a pack of worms. Well, know, let's be, well, let's, well, you know, here's the thing. It's, it does an interesting, well, this is, and this is now we're really in this fucking podcast. This is really what we do here. Um, what That, you know, two things can live at the same time. Yeah. I really think they can. To, you know, life is nuanced. Life is complicated. And really, to, without going too deep into that, because that is a whole episode in of itself, which I'm sure we can unpack when that show finally opens, um, you know, we're allowed to feel multiple things. And the situation with that human being is very complicated and nuanced. I'm not saying this in any kind of excuse, but like, there was a lot happening there that is so deep. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is why I think all of us as a society, weirdly, aren't making excuses, aren't aren't minimizing anyone else's suffering, but we're kind of like, I'm going to separate that from the joy and the artistry you gave us for all these years. Do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. I, oh gosh, okay. I have to, confession. One yeah. of my favorite comedians for a long time was Louis C.K. I mean, hello. Millions of people, of course. Yeah. So this, you know, obviously it was very distressing, the whole thing that happened. So somebody, it popped up on my YouTube, one of his recent uh, stand-up sessions. And so I was just like, I'm going to click on this. I'm just going to, I'm going to watch this. Yeah. And so he's, I'm uncomfortable. I'm watching it. It's funny. I'm uncomfortable. I'm watching it. It's funny. And then he finally goes, should we talk about it? Okay, let's talk about it. And he goes into this diatribe about like, if you're, if this is your thing and you ask and they say yes, just don't do it. And like, that was, that was his takeaway lesson. And I was like, I can't, you're still uh, missing the you're still yeah, missing the point. Yeah. You still are missing the point about power. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard you say these the words. I've never heard you apologize directly. And I still can't now. I can't I just I'm still not I can't. Yeah. I can't I, but I mean yet. that's that's fair. And if if you know you get that listen, I I you know, well, we've talked about this. Go back, go back, listeners. We love you. Um you you're allowed to fuck up. 
You're, yeah. You are allowed to fuck up. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Like, I'm not excusing the, the most horrible fuck ups because, you know, we talk a lot of shit about some Republicans on this bitch. But um, you're, you're, allowed, you're allowed to make mistakes and you're allowed to be forgiven. Yes. Like, people make terrible fucking choices. It's right. the essence of being alive. And frankly, it's the essence of art, right? Is right. watching people make terrible decisions. We then, all do it. We, we all, all do, do it. it. We all do it on micro levels every mm-hmm. fucking day. So like to sit on some weird high horse, blah, blah, blah. But there you go. When one is allowed the agency to tell their story, that's when it's like, okay, your takeaway from that now, you now can have your stamp of, okay, well, now I feel like this and I can't support this anymore. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, you know, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, so Berkeley. <laughs> 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 they're gonna be like rona that was such a sharp left we were like gonna play this back hey Ber- we, berkeley we'll give you a clean cut let me know i will completely edit uh but you know this is we, th- we are nothing if not authentic and candid conversations on yeah it. okay this is how we yeah. roll um yeah. so, <laughs> so, uh, so 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 let's well let's, let's circle it back around for christ's sake because that deserves that it deserves it deserves to continue that to to put the cap on the end of this part. So the design. Right. The design, design, design. So question to, to bring it back to the design. <laughs> it all started with the fucking wicked, didn't it? Like, like anything else. It's all I always blame wicked. I have to say, my guilty pleasure, because I've been asked this a couple times recently, what's your guilty musical? And I, you know, sometimes say shitty things about them. I'm like, well, I listen to them, so that's guilty. But I love musicals. But uh, you know, um, I definitely, my guilty pleasure, I'm going to confess this to everyone, is I do find myself sometimes falling down a YouTube wicked spiral, Mm -hmm. just listening to different people navigate their way through those tracks. Mm -hmm. And that's a very specific vocabulary to say as a director. But, you know, something like that, that's such a government gig is what they, so to anyone that's listening that doesn't know what that means, basically like there's very few shows that run forever ish right and wicked is one of them so that's a government job so what we're saying is you know these these human beings who come into these roles don't get much time to jump in to a very corseted show that that shit is moving whether you're doing it or not like just get into it kid it's a machine so what i find interesting is watching these artists navigate their way through that and i'm fascinated by watching in these hyper commercial musicals artists finding humanity and creating a new choice. Oh my gosh. I think that is so real. Like I've, I've talked to so many people who've auditioned for those roles and yeah. just been like, this is so frustrating because I have to fit myself into this little box that was created 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and just keep the way this one person did it. And these things, these traits and these qualities have been perpetuated now over the, you know, there's no room. Well, and it's interesting because the thing, it's it's a funny, it's a funny like chicken and egg because what has to happen for Broadway shows like that to become the thing that they are, where they, they become mythology, is that the iconography has to be hit every night. Right. So like that, you know, that, that picture you see of Alphaba, you know, probably looking up stage, you know, left towards the quarter at seven, is the picture. You have to hit it. You have to hit it. And, that. and that's what everyone's paying for. And that's the mythology of the show. Right. You know, it's like Phantom, they all, it's all the iconography, iconography. And I'm so fascinated to see people find it. 
they within do. that. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. It really says all, it's so amazing. And so I, I'll fall down spirals with that because as a someone who had a, my background is in musical theater and back in the day I used to sing, just knowing the appreciation of just how hard the gig is without that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, right. a, that's a rough gig. Like right. whoever puts on that green, that is a rough gig. Okay. Um, anyway, so we're going back to Berkeley. We got distracted by Wicked. Most of us do. <laughs> most, most, most people do get distracted by Wicked. Yeah, you know, I, right. I could go on a Hamilton diatribe, but I'm still processing because I was very overwhelmed. Uh, still, still processing everyone. Just, just so you know, as a Latin man, I'm very overwhelmed by it in a good way. Um, yeah. I, don't, I have so many thoughts. So in the design, though, I wonder, are they going to give the students, and maybe this is too soon to ask, also the options to show them here's what you can do with the money and here's what you can also achieve with no money. Oh, I love that. I love that. We are definitely having like a business industry class. And another thing we're thinking of doing, this is, we're, we're, it's so fun right now because we're in like the dreaming stage. Yeah. Oh, you know, it'd be cool if we did this. Uh, we're thinking of doing something called like Berkeley Bucks, where they're given like a set amount of money, like fake money, Berkeley mm. Bucks, and they have to produce a something. Like, how do, what do you do? You know, just like make it, Try and make it real and tangible, the business side yes. of, of the industry. And if you run out, you run out. And if you run out, you run out. <laughs> yeah. That's how what that do do? shit works, kids. Yeah. I think yeah, that would be great. Yeah. You should do that. Yeah, I think it would be super cool. Uh, there's so many, there's so many cool things we're we're looking to do. I, I'm I'm excited about this. That is fucking thrilling. I'm so fucking excited for you. And these kids cannot be luckier to have you at the helm of that because it, it you know. I really, I really uh, appreciate the fact that it's as important to you as an artist to be a beacon of light as much as it is knowledge. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I think I've always, I've always loved the role also of like mentor and teacher. That's been Mm -hmm. really important to me throughout my life. because those people were so valuable to me. So I just, um, it's always been like, oh, obviously I'm going to continue to play this role my entire life. I will continue to give back. I will continue to nurture um, as, as much as I can. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I identify with that, you know, because it's, I was very touched by people who I look back now and these teachers just gave me that extra thing. And mm-hmm. it, I, to this day, I'm affected by it. To this day, right. you know, and that's what students need. You need that one person who's like, yeah, no, actually, uh, dig deeper, go, go mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. do, do more, be curious. Yes. You know, that's what it is. It's really the permission for curiosity, isn't it? Yep. That's exactly what it is. That's all of artistry. Sorry. That's it. That's you it. You just have to be curious. Yeah. Like what the, f- and, and also to anyone listening that, that are some of our younger people, which according to the demographics that I, I, I look at for us, we, we have a lot of young people, uh, meaning like in their twenties, um, hello, young people. Uh, <laughs> the curiosity thing is, is everything. And also the lack of fear pushing through your fear is, mm. is paramount. Mm. Hello. Because, hello. I can speak right now. Listen, when I was like, yeah, so let's do like this um, mixed media installation thing where we're going to activate <laughs> and I'm going to get three composers and um, we're going to make an allegory about racial assimilation that's 
I've never done it, but and I don't does know what I'm doing. Want to try? Like, yeah. and I can say that now at 41, that all of us as the as the team of creators were just like, well, let's just fucking try. Fuck it. I mean, like, what are mm-hmm. we gonna do? Let's let's try. Like, what's the? And I think that's something that's very important to understand as a young person is that we are all fucking afraid. Don't yes. get it twisted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Fear is just fear. Like, don't live in fear, but fear is part of the gig. And you have to push through the through fear. fear. <laughs> and if anything, if I really think about this in a, in, a, in a positive way, the fear is merely you having a sense of integrity. Yeah. You know, and actually don't get that fear mistaken with the fear that I came into uh, identification with during this whole process of us actually stopping more or less, right? Was me realizing as a director, I was coming from a place of fear that I talked about before where I was, I was afraid of one demographic who just happened to be white people not liking my work. You know what I mean? That yeah. thing where like I, as, a, as an artist of color, I, it was so important for me to have their approval. Even though when I say they, it, it feels very like pointing a finger. It's not that, but I was like, wait, what, what if I just make the work for everyone and either the people who dig it, dig it, and the people who don't, well, that's okay too. And yeah. that's actually something too. I mean, Rona, how do you feel about that? I'm like, not everyone has to fucking like your shit. It's okay. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like I, I think maybe I talked about that in episode, episode one. Like, I think, I think I did. I like, yeah, I let go of that a while ago. I feel like, and now I'm just like, this is, this is my story. This is what I want to do in this moment. And whoever likes it, likes it. And whoever doesn't can go do something else. It's cool. Yeah. And to be in the arts is to open up yourself to criticism. Mm-hmm. People are going to, the second you put something out in the public sphere, you are open for criticism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just the way it is. And it, it, it doesn't mean that it isn't like Marion Seldes, the, the great, wonderful late Marion Seldes said, you know, like with critics, because her father was a critic, she goes, you know, People have so many thoughts about them, but she said, I more or less paraphrase, she says, I challenge you uh, to do a show and not have them come yeah. and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's like, they're part of it. You need them. And she says, yeah. I read all the reviews and it doesn't mean that they're not painful, mm-hmm. but I just want to know. And you, you have to get to a place where when you start to read criticism, you just, I, I, I actually, you know, before we go into the break, I'm curious about this really quickly. Like anything we do is quick. Um, do you remember, and maybe you haven't, Rona, um, as I'm, I'm like looking at her bio hanging right here in front of me. Um, <laughs> uh, for all the wonderful accolades you've gotten, do do you remember if it's happened the first time you really got a scathing criticism in a public forum? <sighs> he's like "Mm, you know it's interesting i i have yet to experience that um Mm. or maybe a show you worked on something you were involved with maybe not personal because you know you put your fingers literally helping so many people in so many different pools Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. have you ever been part of I'll, I'll frame it this way <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you been part of a production where you were like oh man they really don't like this you don't have to name it by the way that's not the yeah point. I mean I've been I've been part of stuff where, where it's been like mixed yeah 
Um, but I felt like this is a shit show. Uh, things are not authentic here and I feel uncomfortable. Um, mm. I think those are indicators that, you know, I don't you know. You weren't surprised. Yeah. But I feel like I've been lucky to not ha- have been super publicly panned as of yet. And I can, I, a, a, another lucky thing is I, I have been, I can catch my crappy work before it goes out. Like I'm working on something right now for um, Emerson College. I'm writing a, a piece. And I, 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 re- I wrote this scene and song five times. Five times. Mm. And I kept sending it to the director. And I was like, why? Help me. Why does this suck? It keeps sucking. I can't. Like, I was so frustrated. It kept sucking. And I just couldn't figure out why. Like, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. And, uh, but, I, but I wouldn't let it go out. So I just finally said, all right, I'm, the next day I'm just going to sit down at the piano. And I'm going to mush my hands around and say words and whatever comes out, comes out. And that's going to be the piece. And that's what I did. And now that's the piece and it's going out into the world. And I feel much better about it. Um, so I was lucky. I was lucky there wasn't like the deadline that was like, nope, this is what it's going to be. And then I would have been like really scared. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and it's interesting. Well, it's two different mediums too. Like what well, I guess, you know, I, if, well, for me, I, it's so it's such an interesting thing to tether on this precipice of like what some people might consider experimental work. But mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is, with all due respect to the real experimentalists or the truly, I don't want to say real, with all respect to people who specifically work in experimental theater in New York City, my work isn't experimental on their level. I'm astounded and and in awe of those people's work. So I'm on this weird, not weird, I'm on this little ledge where I'm somewhere between like all the sensibilities of performing arts that we know. But then because I've embraced my own religion, I always go about it in a way that isn't traditional. There it is. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's been interesting to watch people go. And actually, for what it's worth, um, I, the, by, I've, I've had people like and dislike the work, but it's been interesting to watch critics try to figure out how to even process it. You know, yeah. like when I did an immersive piece that took place in like 10 different rooms, and the first thing a critic says when they show up is, where, I'm, where am I sitting? I'm like, mm. it's not going to go well. And it didn't, yeah. and it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. There's a, where mm-hmm. am I going to sit? And I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Like, if this is an on-your-feet experience. like, right. what, And I think, honestly, too, for what it's worth, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to just fucking say it, I think some critics need to open up their fucking minds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. not everything falls under the category of something else. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, we need them. I love when they show up, and I like their feedback, and sometimes I listen, and sometimes I'm like, word, you just didn't, you know, it's fine. But, I, I guess maybe let me speak to to anyone out there who is working in that way where what you're doing is just obtuse enough that like the traditional uh, circle, you know, into a, uh, you know, a, a round peg, whatever that is. You see what I'm trying yeah. to do. I'm doing yeah, it with my yeah. fingers. Like, you know, like the Lego piece, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Lego piece fits, right? But then you, if you're one of those people where you're like... And it fits just enough, but not quite. 
don't keep following that shit because it works. Like it will continue to work. And you have to trust when you are just on the precipice of something that isn't particularly traditional. Like even what I'm doing right. right now, even the immersive community that I know, they're kind of like, wait, Aaron's not doing like a ghosty thing, even though I've got a, a really fun, awesome podcast happening with that called Drama, an oral experience. Uh, tune into that. Um, th- the That's like, that's sort of me working through that fun sensibility that I just have a good time with. But when you're working in this slightly obtuse area, it's interesting to watch people try to digest. And it's it's so fascinating because people either are like, yes, or they're just like, I don't understand. Because the truth of the matter that's is, fine. yes, mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is, artists, is that audiences like to be spoon fed. And I challenge you to not do it. Yeah. Like, here's the thing sometimes you have to be on the nose because it is paramount that they have to know dot, dot, dot connects. And now we're here. They have to know. That's just good storytelling. But like, you don't have to feed them with a the spoon. You Correct. don't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't get it twisted. Some of the musicals, if we go to musicals that people love, were not well-received. Gypsy, which I think we can all arguably say is a treasure, was yeah. not well-received. West yeah. Side Story did not go well when it came out by the critics. Uh, fucking Wicked. Critically yep. panned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, now, how you feel about these works it doesn't matter. But what I'm saying is this group of artists were like, I'm just going to kind of keep chasing my thing. And um, maybe people will like it. You know? You have to trust yourself enough to risk. There it is. And on that note, we're going to fucking breathe. God damn it. We're going to come back and talk about some more stuff. All right, everyone. So if you haven't done it yet, please put on some headphones. Take a seat. Maybe drink a glass of water for a second. And we're going to recalibrate. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Aaron, your host and producer of the show. So there's a lot happening right now in the world. And rather than take a moment to have a commercial, I thought it would be nice for us to take a moment and recalibrate. How does that sound? Excellent. Okay, so get comfortable, and we're going to take a deep breath in, and a deep breath out. Deep breath in, and just let it out. All right. Now close your eyes, and breathe. Normally.
perfect. I hope you feel a little better now. And just remember, you are perfect. And you are loved. Okay. Let's get back to the show. got to breathe. Rona and I are here. Uh, we've both gotten more water. I've had a piece of vegan chocolate. The Hue bars are on sale at Westerly. <gasps> Wait, the what bars? You know the Hue? The Hue bars? H-U? Oh, those are the, oh, the cold. Yes. The, oh, God, those are they're so on sale. Good. They're on sale at Westerly. Oh, I love those. I haven't had yeah. one in years. They're, well, because they're like $7. Yeah, that's why. Um, let's be real. Uh, anyway, they're on sale for like three-ish. <clears throat> okay, and we're talking to everyone now. Great. So, um, you know, I've been told this is kind of like a conversation you happen to be listening on. So, yes, that's what that was. Um, we were talking about so much cool shit, and I'm really glad that you gave these suggestions for this episode. And uh, Rona's brought something else up that I think is important to talk about. So, here we are talking about all the stuff we've done. Uh, Rona's Complete lack of criticism um, <laughs> from the public. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, there's a reason for that, though, to be honest. No, Aaron, I appreciate no. it. No, I appreciate it. No, no, no. I'm not even, no, I'm not criticizing you. I just honestly. No, listeners... I welcome the critique. I welcome, no, but no, the thing is, I have, I don't, honestly, like, I've, I like, oh, look at all these awards I've won. I haven't actually had that many public facing, you know, productions and things. So that's why. Well, I mean, fair. I mean, yeah. fair enough. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, and that, that, I don't wish it on you. Trust me. Um, <clears throat> but, but you know, it, I just wish you guys could have seen the visual of Rona desperately <laughs> trying to find something so that the blank stare of uh, a host wasn't just like, is it just me? Does everyone else, is everyone else loved? Sondheim said no one liked him. Um, I know. It's, so those are the most encouraging moments. It's like when you're just like, well, everyone hated Sondheim. Yeah. No. Just, just uh, yeah. yeah. It was just, you know, sort of funny. Because like I remember earlier in the show, a few months ago, we mentioned him. And I was like, everyone calm down. I'm not criticizing Grandpa Musical Theater, goddammit. He's not the problem. So um, <laughs> going back to uh, us. God damn it. Yeah. Um, imposter syndrome. As imposter two people, syndrome. As two people who are deeply, deeply in the shit, making it happen, right? Working with pros. It's something that I think is important to talk about, and I'm glad that you brought it up. So, um, talk to me about what sort of sparked that for you that mm -hmm. made you uh, think that this is something that really is at the forefront of your thoughts right now. Yeah. Well, uh, here I am as this program director of Berkeley NYC. And on two levels, I'm feeling imposter syndrome. One, 
I uh, have never been in academia before. I don't know how to write a curriculum. Mm. I don't know all these little fun little words and acronyms and, you know, have to start saying things like let's ideate and all these things. Like, I don't know mm. how to, I don't know the, the lingo. Um, and, uh, you know, all these like programs and like, I have to do a, uh, a live event on Friday to talk about the program. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. And just put together a presentation. I've literally never used PowerPoint or any kind of oh, visual. Literally they want you to build a deck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just stuff like that, you know, and my cohorts are like, cool, cool, cool. And I'm just like, Ugh. yeah. And then speaking of my cohorts, if you know anything about Berkeley School yeah. of Music, you know that these people that come out of this program are beasts. Beasts. They are musical beasts, but they're not only musical beasts. They are, they come out like with the ability to kind of tackle anything. So I'm, yeah. I'm doing an, uh, like an interview in the black box last week and all these Berkeley musicians are, um, doing the control, doing, creating the light design behind me that, which is beautiful. They're, you know, they're filming me. They're doing all these things. They're all just Berkeley musicians. I'm like, wow, I'm the biggest one trick pony. I don't know. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And sometimes I'm in meetings like tech meeting where everyone's talking about tech, like, oh, what tech do we need for the program? And I'm just like, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Sure, like, yeah. And so I have to keep, you know, like, if, uh, you know, like you were saying before, like pushing through this like insecurity and pushing through this fear of not, yes. of being, of feeling like inadequate. Like yes. not only are these people probably all better musicians than me and can like play a million different instruments and are jazz proficient, which I'm not, all these things are going through my head. Um, you know, the tech aspect, which my program is going to teach. I, I know what I know. And then there's way more that I don't know. And, and my cohorts know everything. And I'm just like, oh my God, like I feel yeah. so inadequate. I feel inadequate. What an amazing opportunity though, right? To be yeah. surrounded by all these people. Mm -hmm. But you know, but what, uh, clearly the expertise you're bringing is, is valued. You yes. clearly stood out from the pack. Well, I, you know, like I, I should also say, like, I didn't, I didn't apply for this job. <laughs> I didn't know, we didn't get into that. So let, yeah. let's kind of go back a little bit. So um, how did this all come to be? Somebody from Berkeley just sent me a cold email and they were just like, hey, uh, we know about you. You're super cool. Will you come do this like pro promo video that we're doing? And like Blackamore is going to be on it and Aremis and all these people. And mm. we would, you know, we just want to get all these like cool New York people to talk about New York. And do you mind coming down and saying a few things? I was like, yeah, sure, totally. And uh, and then that was kind of when they were like, and also, we want you to be the program director. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Uh, okay, I, I can see wow. how I'm qualified for this. So, what was I saying? I did. I just. Oh, so they just kind of picked me, um, and I can see how that how I'm uniquely qualified because I've gone through a musical theater writing program. I know I'm uh, I'm a working music director. I'm in the center of the action. I have all the connections. Um, I, so there, I, I get, I totally get it. And I, and I have, and I do have a vision. Like that is the thing. I am very clear on what I want this program to embody and to be and how it's going to be different from some of the other existing programs. Um, so I, it's not like I'm like, oh, they should have picked somebody else. 
but um, it's just all these other elements that I kind of didn't realize were part of the gig that yes. are, you know, it's like, oh, crap. Wow. This is well, a lot. And, and I feel like I want to know all these things now. I wish I could just download them into my brain. But, uh, you know, I can't. I have to take time. But I don't have the time because I'm busy writing, you know. So yes. It's, it's yes. a lot. One million percent. And yeah. I, for what it's worth, you know, this this new venture, I identify with what you're saying, this new venture that I'm working on, there's so much stuff, you know, it's like we know our religions, right? And yeah. then there's another layer added on it. And you're just like, fuck, I wish I knew everything now. Right. But I mean, you know, there's only one way. Now, are you, I can only assume, obviously there's a team. You have a big mm-hmm. team around you. Yeah. So there's all these different experts. And actually... Going back to imposter syndrome, musical theater, at least the, because generally I, when I think of Berkeley, I always think of uh, commercial musicians coming out of there mm-hmm. in the sense that like they really genuinely teach you, uh, I, I, I hate to say commercial music, but you know what I mean? Like that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, you learn those hardcore yeah. like production skills. Yeah, you are ready to, to be in, an, in the music industry and, and make some cash. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. So going back to the imposter syndrome thing, when did you start to feel, I guess this is really just as simple, when did you start to feel like you knew what you were doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, like when you really, like obviously, listen, you knew you had skills you knew like, yes, I know how to do this. But like, when did you really feel it? When you're like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I think that I don't, I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And I'm trying to think of like all the different things that I do. And is there one where I'm just like this, this is the thing. Maybe, maybe lyric writing. Okay. Maybe, maybe. So wait, wait, when you're you're music directing, you, you, you know, you're, an award-winning music director. Do you feel like you know? I mean, you must know. I mean, does it? Do you feel it there? No, not at all. Definitely Interesting. not. Definitely not. Wow. Uh, there are like there are definitely mistakes that I make, and I'm just like, ah, oh, crap. Like, I, did we talk about like? Yeah, I think maybe we talked about this in the first episode. I messed up the size of our band platform. I should have known. I should have known we needed more room on that band platform. Crap, that was that that's on me. This is on me. Like I didn't know that this was, you know, like there's so many things you don't you have the only way to learn is by just doing it. And every yeah. single time there's going to be new stuff that comes at you that you've never dealt with before every single time. Yes. And it's 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 scary. Well, then with that being said, and with continuing with this idea of imposter syndrome, is the continuing goal of wanting to learn so you feel like you really know, mm-hmm. is that what's driving you? Is always. Is the, the impetus to continue to learn? Always, always, always. Even, you know what? So when I did that um, song for Wicked for their uh, 16th anniversary, yes, that was music directed by Stephen Aremus, who I love. I think Stephen's just an amazing human and and person. And so being in the studio recording the song with Steven and watching him music direct it versus the way I would have music directed it, I was flabbergasted at the way he was able to talk to the artists. So like, I, this is what I would do. Okay. Let's say the cellist didn't, didn't hit that the way I wanted them to. I would have been like, right. um, okay, maybe can we, 
let's try it again. And maybe if we could just, do you think maybe we could do a little more of this thing or whatever? Aramis is like, okay, that was flat. We're going to do this again. Here we go. You know, like, and it was just like, wow. You know, I learned, I learned so much. And I was like, okay, you, whatever the reason why you're doing all the little placate things, whether it's because you're a woman or because you hmm. don't trust your experience or whatever it is, look at this person. Look what they're hmm. doing. Look how clear they are. Look how concise they are. Look how they're getting to uh, the, the place they want to get faster than you can. Why? Hmm. So it, it, it never ends. It never ends. Well, never. Also, I mean, there, there's also something to be said about, you know, different styles, you know. Yeah. You know, it's all kind of a means to an end. You know, there's like for, you know, you, you've seen it. There's directors who articulate and there's directors who say nothing. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? True. Which mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have some thoughts on that. But, I have thoughts um, on that too. Cause yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Especially in theater. I'm like, mm-hmm. this isn't a film. Well, you know, and for what it's worth, I mean, I think I said it to you maybe on one of these episodes, even something like this, right? Where this is now probably my third podcast I've been working on in the last five years. And I feel like I'm barely learning like, oh, okay, I get it now. I get the blah, blah, blah. Right. And I understand the format that I feel comfortable in. Right. Right. You know, I would say it to you or Jason or anyone who's been the guest and I'm like, wait, how do I do this show? Yeah. Right. Right. Like, what am I? Oh, oh, just start talking. Here it goes. Like, you know, and you, but so just on a small microcosm level, but as a director, I, I, I know that I actually I have confidence that I have enough confidence of my vision and I have confidence in the end result. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I always and I know what the map is to get there emotionally. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I have a very strong sense of what I want it to look like. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I really, really rely on no actually not rely i won't take that back i really trust my actors and actresses yeah to to do their thing to let them get there right but it's interesting like every now and then i'll even be taken aback that i'll even my directing style will change on occasion with some actors actually the better the actor is the more i'm like dot 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 and then you know, show them the blocking. And then, you know, within blocking, there's always, you know, the sandbox of freedom, right? There's always like, hopefully, God willing, if you're hooking up your fucking talent. Here's now, once you're there, you can do whatever the hell you want. And I've noticed myself saying this a lot uh, more often because I've been lucky enough to work with some very good actors is, and then whatever feels authentic to you, like whatever feels like Mm -hmm. authentic in your body and to you for the character, then just do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, because, and and sometimes I'm even taken aback by that because the truth of the matter is every now and then I do want to be hyper, hyper specific and I will go there every now and then. And for pictures in theater, I'll go there. But like working in this new medium, it's fascinating because some of these actors are so brilliant and some of them are, you know, one of them is just, a vo- they're, they're, they're the voice. So it's interesting to send copy, have a quick little chat and then just trust them. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Uh, I don't even know where the hell I'm going with this, but I'm I'm just saying it it is it is a fascinating thing to I think almost have an ebb and flow of style. I think maybe that's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah. Like you have those moments where maybe you're saying you're being a little more actually, I wouldn't take that as placating. I take that as frankly, it it seems like a 
you're a you're a kind person. Mm. And as I say this, Rona has on a shirt. <laughs> <It's kind of. laughs> I supposedly made you say that. <laughs> yes. No, but you know, I'm as I'm getting to know you, like you're a kind person. You know, like you listen and I see the way you even like, you know, we're looking at each other in this in this coronavirus situation where we're looking through cameras. But I think that that's what you're doing is you're so sensitive to someone's feelings as a human that you think about the way they're going to digest it as a human first and then a musician maybe. True. That's my hypothesis. Yeah, I like that. So, <laughs> yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I think that too, like with artists, I'm like, I kind of want to tell you to dot, 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 but like, it's very vulnerable to, to, to you know, creation is a vulnerable thing. Right. Yeah. And actually, does this exist for musicians? Is there a vulnerability in that process? Or is it there is it a little more science? Because no. oh, it's the same. It's, it's the same. Do you feel vulnerable like when you're in the pit or you're at the recording as as the musician playing and you get a note? Is it do you feel that could you say that it, it's a similar parallel to like what an actor feels? It is one hundred percent the same. You're okay. still creating something from your heart and putting it out there. And then, you know, somebody can say that doesn't work or that's not what we're, go what we're going for or something like that. Like, yeah. They talk about when I, when I have the imposter syndrome the most is when I'm in this recording in the studio. Interesting. I, I am very technical. Somebody else. Why am I here? There are so many people who are better than me at this. What am I doing here? Wow. It is, it is crazy. It is crazy. What do you think? And not to be therapize, but like, is that a word? That's a word, right? Therapize? Maybe? I like it. I like it. Um, but yeah, not to you know be therapy, but what do you think the root of that is? Do you think, do you think it's coming from a place that you have so much respect for that part of the medium? That it's coming from there. I think it's it's. Uh, I've always felt uh, inadequate with my playing skills. Um, Interesting. I got reinforced in college when I got cut from the piano. That's <laughs> right. You talked about this. Um, so that actually, if we fuck, not to really get like deep talk director on you, but that's almost been your greatest criticism. Yes. Yes. That's that's the thing. That is the thing. Wow. Um, never publicly because I've never I've never like tanked. Right. Out like play as. But a that's a deeper, deeper, deeper kind of feeling of of like someone judged you. Yeah. And I don't mean I don't mean to get dark and like like dig in that way about this, but that's hard to shake off. It's very hard to shake off. I so I've recorded all the albums I've recorded. Um, have been at Yellow Sound Lab with the producer named Michael Kreuter. Uh, he continues to ask me to do stuff. When we're in the studio playing, he never judges me. He never criticizes me. He all when I'm sitting there beating myself up about that take or that take, he will never say anything bad. He'll be like, "I thought it was great, but if you want to do it again." That's totally cool. Like he's the most supportive and loving in the studio that he's enabled me to record those five albums and get through the process, even though all I've been doing inside of my head was being, I am bad at this, <laughs> you know, like that, that I love that human so much. And he's going to record my album this year. Yes. 
which we got to talk about in this last episode. You know, I'm really glad you said that because I, I, I'm glad you said that because I kind of feel that way when an actor's they they're like fuck this is terrible yeah and uh, to be honest I'm what's interesting is I really mean this is that ninety percent of the time I'm like. No, like really, it's it's quite good. But if you need to go again, then let's do it. Like, there's please. That's the whole point. Like, you can go again. And I, that I, you know, for actually, I think this is important for everyone to hear. That is, I think that's actually the gig, isn't it? When you're music directing, directing, yeah, being the lead producer, Mm -hmm. is the gig is to allow the space for people to work through whatever they have to actually work through. Isn't that crazy? We're, we're actually, we're actually like, we are therapists in a way. Yeah. Cause you just, you know, and, 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 and and you're allowing these artists, musicians, actors, all forms of the arts, especially because this is a theater podcast. God damn it. Um, You're allowing people to be in a space without judgment and just be like, I'm here to support you. I will tell you if you're making a fucking sharp left. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, just do it again. Yeah. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's totally fine. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 just a, it's a funny thing. It's something I, I find myself saying often in all sincerity with actors. I'm like, so we're going to blah, 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 blah. And just know that you can't do anything wrong. Just do right. something. Just do something. You, you yeah. can't do anything wrong. Now, I think for musicians, this is something I'm fascinated by with 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 musicians. And my boyfriend's a a, a musician. Is the specificity though of music, where it can be wrong, which is the same thing that applies to singers. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm so fascinated by all of you when you're in a pit. Yeah. By the by, is is the word science or is the word sure. the science of it? Just the science of all of you guys having to be like, think, you know, it's, I'm dumbfounded by it. It is, it is pretty astounding. It's pretty miraculous. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, how it all must come together in a very specific way. Um, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It is what it is, but the, there's still like, like we were talking about with the people that go into Wicked, there's still room. There's still room for your artistry and your creativity within it, but it does have to click yes well it's funny there was a um there's a i was in a wicked youtube spiral and (laughs) someone was talking about oh did they change the orchestration because you could hear there was a little bit of a flourish towards Mm. the end of a thing Mm -hmm. and then i almost thought to myself i'm like i know for a fucking fact they didn't change orchestrations on this that's not how that shit works right we know that i'm like i wonder if just like the md with whoever the people were was like well that sounded dope you know, and it just nope. like they, or, or maybe maybe they just went there, like, and it was like an accident. I don't know. That is, it was an accident, maybe, but then they would get a note, and that would never happen again. Wow, interesting. Mm. Like some drummer, not I'm not saying some drummer. That's not like, but like a drummer, like having a moment, and then them being like, "Don't ever do that again." Correct. Well, I have a and question like, for unless you. it's written in the school, like unless it's like drummer, have your moment here. You know, Copy then that. you know, then well, you can't. They, they weren't having a solo, but you could hear there was like a. Something. something I couldn't explain it, but when I right. listened to it, the, you know, the kids, they do the editing, bless their hearts. And yeah. I was like, oh, that is, hmm, I wonder if they, that seems odd. Um, but, and then, you know, to kind of bring it home as a music director, I'm curious about then that, uh, uh, we were talking about imposter syndrome, but this is all part of it. 
what what do you think is the key thing that's the most important to you when you're working with singers? Because that's such a vulnerable. It's so weird, right? Like it's such a it's such yeah. a specific thing. It's so I'm, you have to be you have to be keyed into their learning style. You have to be keyed into all of their insecurities. You have to be keyed into their mood that day. You have to be keyed into are they hungry? You have to be keyed into every little thing that will lead to them making a choice in a moment all the time. Do you also have to allow that agency for them to fail? Like in the, like to find it. I mean, oh, obviously yeah, you're working with course. an echelon of, you're working with an echelon of yeah. talent, but you know, not everything's always perfect right away. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, what we were taught as, as writers is to write the bad version first. It's the same thing with, with, with approaching your singing. It's like, how about like, don't think so much about making that pretty right now and think about how the dramaturgy of this moment and what you're actually feeling and allow whatever sound to come out of your body that comes out and let's go from there. I really appreciate that because I do think there's something that, that I've noticed, and this was also working in a music venue for, for several many years, um, is I, I get concerned about some of the vocalists coming out in the theatrical world where it's sounding a little homogenized. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, and, and here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with it. It actually, it's a pleasant homogeny, but it, I'm like, well, there's no character there. Yeah. And then I, I do think that what I've been noticing in the last two decades is watching, it's not everyone, but watching when the team allows the artist to do whatever the fuck has to happen for those sounds to come out. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite kind of musical theater performance yeah. where it's like, if you have to go like this with your body or something has to happen that doesn't feel like quite traditional, but you know, you're still doing your blocking, then fucking do that. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, I, I love watching singers not apologize for having the Olympics, which is the musical theater. It's really Olympics. It really is. Having that Olympic moment. Like I actually don't need you to make that look easy to me no no like i want you to do whatever the fuck you have to do right like cynthia arrivo like she was so fascinating to watch you saw it right did you mm-hmm. go wait which to C- see uh... cynthia arrivo in um in color purple i didn't see it oh, oh. no that's okay no I, I i lucked out and, and happened to go uh, um back in the day i think i, I don't know, who knows who cares but i was there and um it was so interesting to watch her physically not apologize for whatever her body did to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's and it what was mesmer- her perform. Say that again. That's what makes you want to watch her perform. That's yes. what makes her not the cookie cutter and not the homogenous sound. Like I, I, I will fight against that homogenous sound and I will click quickly past that YouTube video. If they sound like that, I'm not interested. Me. I'm yeah. not. I always prefer an interesting voice over. Yeah. A pretty voice? Don't get me wrong. Every now and then those pretty ones come out and you're like, son of a bitch. You're just Mm -hmm. like, what? But we forget that we're built on the foundation of very interesting singers. Yeah. You know, Broadway and musical theater is built on the voices of these very unique people that you would never think of as almost maybe what people think the gold standard is now singing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, th- so it's, you know, it's, f- I'm fascinated by that. 
Anyway, do you want to like leave any imparting words in terms of what you do to work through those moments of insecurity and imposter syndrome that allow you to move forward in the direction of of the confidence of your skills? I first have to allow myself to cry, to grieve, to say, you know, like, because, you know, that's, it's how I feel. I feel sad about it, yep. that I don't have this skill or this confidence or whatever. And so I'll, I'll curl up in a ball and I'll cry. Okay. And then you've got to pick yourself up and, and reach out to whoever can help you uh, gain the skill you need or help you in that moment and, and be cool with that. That's, that's, that's really, you just have to like muscle through it and not let it freeze you. Do not let it like paralyze you. You can't stay paralyzed. That's all. Yes. I am making crazy jazz hands at the camera right now to her. Yes, 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 yes. To, to allow oneself to feel it, Mm -hmm. acknowledge it. Cause what have we learned everyone? Cause we are now in a therapy, therapized is the word of the day. (laughs) We're now in a, we're we're in a society now where therapy isn't taboo, right? Yeah. And self-help is encouraged, right? Yes. 101 is we all know that when you when you push those feelings down, it's not going to end well. They're going to come out. Mm-hmm. And I think I think what Rona's saying is very, very fucking important to listen to to hear, to really hear. You have to allow yourself to feel that shit. It's yeah. cool. It's okay to grieve. It's totally cool. And then stand up and be like, I fucking got this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes you have to say it even if you don't believe it. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you just have to. Yeah. And you have to also know, like, probably most people are also doing that. Like, it's it's not like it's so uncommon. I think yes. everybody feels this way in yes. some realm of their life. Well, it's funny. I listen to, you know, the podcast with the big, big, big... Um, you know, it's like fascinating to listen to these like icons of, of Hollywood, right? And you hear them talk about how they'll be like on set and be like, oh my God, how the fuck, like all these people are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Why, how the fuck am I here? Yeah. And you hear this from Oscar winners right. where they just don't, they, they get on set with all these other badasses and they're like, they made a mistake. I should not be here. Right, right. So I think the takeaway from, from, from this conversation to artists out there listening and fucking anyone, anyone really is like, it, it is really important to feel your, uh, it's okay to feel sad about those moments and then push through and then just fucking believe for the sake of believing. That's right. I mean, what the fuck? This isn't a rehearsal. You only get one life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you might as well feel everything. And especially as artists, Pain is part of the gig. It is. You can't <laughs> avoid it. You it's gotta be- just go through it. I I like it to be honest with you. Yeah. Like I don't like it in the moment, but like all the shitty stuff that happened to me, like in my youth, like mm-hmm. that made me who I am today. And I think right. I'd probably be a really vapid fucking uh, artist if I didn't have all that bullshit happen. Right. It's totally cool. You know, it's like like you're never going to be better at your craft than after your heart is broken. Sorry, like it doesn't mean it's, it's not any fun. But then you're like, oh, well, now I know why that sonnet was written. Yep. <laughs> Word. Yeah, there's shit. I actually had this happen recently where I don't know what the lyric was. I'm not going to attempt to try to find it. But I was like, oh, my God, that's what that means. I was like, okay, great. Um, great. Oh, yeah. my God. Rona. 
Aaron. You're the best. Oh, you're God the best. Damn it. Um, uh, everyone uh, who were offending with my goddamn it's, uh, I mean, you, you read the title of the show. Uh, <laughs> please. So keep your eyes peeled for magic. Yep. Magic is coming. Keep your eyes peeled for let's, let's plug the podcast. Lessons from the pit. Hopefully, I think I'll maybe start dropping them in November. Nice. Yeah, I mean, guys, it's a lot of work. And also, keep your eyes peeled on Rona as she takes hold of birthday by storm. And um, if you guys check it out, my the this experience is coming up with a lot of badasses from Broadway too. So we hope that you got something out of this episode. And um, everyone, just breathe through the anxiety of the, of the of the vote. We're gonna we're gonna get through this together. I promise. Yeah. And there will be more art to be made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So much. Okay. So, so much, much so art. Much. Okay, let's, uh, I live on hope. Hope, 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 hope. Yeah. All right, everyone. So in the meantime, please be healthy. My God, wash your hands for 20 seconds. Be actionable. And most importantly, be authentic. Much love. For Fuck's Sake Podcast is brought to you by Alvarez Kiko Salazar Productions. Original music by Manuel Paleo and Giancarlo Bonfanti. Produced and engineered by Aaron Salazar. Recorded in New York City. Join our community on Facebook or Twitter at 4FS Podcast or on Instagram at 4FS underscore podcast. Please take a moment to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you so much. Much love.